Hello world, my name is Hannah and this is my world where I am going to be humble, open, and transparent about my journey as the wife, the mom, and the boss. Hello world and welcome back. Okay, okay, okay. So yes, I've been on vacation and I was just like, you know what? (laughs) I'm gonna take a break, but I'm back. And so welcome back to the podcast. Thank you guys for continuing to be um, loyal listeners. And also to my YouTube fam, thank you for checking me out. Um, So I kind of want to share with you guys uh, an opportunity that I had this past Sunday. And um, that was to speak at my home church. And the message uh, title was Broken But Purposed. And as you can tell, when you click on this video or on this podcast, this is the same message. Um, What I wanted to do today is actually kind of continue what I was talking about on Sunday because I really feel that uh, the message uh, is something that needs to be shared as much as possible with everybody because how many of us feel that we are broken and that we are no longer of use or that we're not qualified or that we're not good enough? Um, And so I kind of just wanted to share that. And so the basically where the the story comes from is about Laban's daughters, Rachel and Leah. So for those of you who may not be familiar with who they are, um, Leah and Rachel were um, the the wives of Jacob and Jacob. Uh, you may be familiar with the story of how he worked 14 years basically for for Rachel. And so I was just talking about kind of from both of their perspective, but I wanted to look at Leah first, right? Because, you know, we don't really think or the Bible doesn't really tell us about whether or not Leah wanted to be in this relationship, whether um, it was something that she was forced into. You know, what we know from the story is that Jacob worked the first seven years for Rachel, uh, Laban, Uh, their father tricked him by giving him Leah uh, on the marital night instead of Rachel. And so when he woke up the next morning, he was like, yo, what's going on? This is not who I worked seven years for, you know, and um, I I wonder how did Leah feel like if she did it, if already she didn't want to be in this marriage and now here it is, this man don't want you how must you feel? You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how would you feel? I know I would feel like crap. And, you know, and the thing is, is that the Bible refers to Leah as losing the sparkle in her eye. Um, And when they describe her, they describe her as in that um, there was no sparkle in her eye or some other versions uh, were that she uh, was weak in the eyes. And so scholars have said how, you know, that could have meant that she wasn't that pleasant looking or that she just literally had weak eyes. But uh, the version that I uh, read from, I believe, was the New Living Translation translation um it was talking about the spark and one of the reasons why i found that to be very evident to kind of deliver the the message from was because of the fact that you know your eye is like it a healthy eye as the the bible says brings health to the body so when the eye isn't healthy like the body isn't healthy and so you know, to lose your spark, that means that like over time, that light in her eye has been dimmed. And I think that that 
is where a lot of us are. Um, a lot of us are. Uh, I, you know, speaking for myself, I know that my light has been dimmed over time just from things that may have been said or have happened to me over time. It has allowed me to lose confidence in myself, um, you know, and and there's there's childhood trauma or, or things that could have happened that, you know, over time, if ignored, it 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 becomes this I don't know this catalyst in your life that you try to you know you feel that you're healed from I know in my situation a lot of times I just I try to suppress things I suppress it and I'm like okay I'm not going to worry about it but later on something could be said that triggers that memory for me and it's like oh dang you know I, I really wasn't healed from that that's an issue now um, and I feel like a lot of us are are like that. And and you guys know me. I'm going to be humble, open and transparent and just kind of speak from things from my perspective and my experience, because that's the only experience that I know. <laughs> and so if you relate, you relate. And if you don't, then, you know, that's cool too. Uh, type in the comments uh, your experience or how you feel. But I know for me um, over time, one of the things and I think I shared it with you guys before, like about my smile. Um, you know, there was a comment that was made to me when I was a kid about being bucktooth or, uh, I remember, uh, somebody else said something about my jagged edge, uh, you know, play on the, the, um, the artist or the, the group or whatever. Uh, and that hurt. And I, you know, have always been self-conscious about my smile because of that. Uh, another thing that has made me feel, um, a little bit inadequate, I do not like feet and I know exactly where that dislike for feet comes from. And when I tell you that I do not like feet, I mean, for real, for real, uh, I do not like for my feet to be touched. I do not like touching other people's feet, except for babies, like infants, they're the cutest. But then by the time they get that toddler stage and they start running around, nope, don't do your feet anymore. <laughs> um, but that comes from, you know, somebody making a comment to me about having flat feet and that my feet were like cavemen and so that kind of scarred me and that's something that I I guess I've just carried with me um uh, because I do have flatter feet like my arch isn't as defined as some people are um I don't necessarily have to wear like wide uh what is it called the 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 wide width shoes or whatever. But um, when I do wear shoes that are more narrow fitting, they're very evident because my feet just kind of spread them out. <laughs> so um, yeah, but these are just, I guess my own little insecurities that I'm, I'm trying to work really hard on with overcoming. But I mean, you're talking about years of just carrying this kind of stuff. Um, and then there's also other things, you know, of just feeling unqualified for certain things because you just feel like oh my past is just really jacked up you know um and I I talked about this a little bit on Sunday too like there's this it's not a new term but it's a term that's being used more frequently nowadays and it's the imposter syndrome right and so imposter syndrome is when you um, come into these rooms that you're you feel unqualified for. Like, 
I shouldn't be here. They're going to figure me out. They're going to realize I'm not as intelligent or I'm not as creative or I'm not who they think they, you know, they think I am. And and so you're just like, I shouldn't be here. You feel like you're being an imposter, but you deserve to be there. Like you worked your butt off. You know, you got into that room because God graced you and opened that door for you. Yes, be there, be confident, right? But for me, imposter syndrome has been kind of like the opposite. Um, not so much. I mean, I do experience imposter syndrome when I find myself in in these spaces where I'm just like, whoa, you, you feel that way about me? Um, like having the opportunity to speak <laughs> at my church, that was just like, oh, wow, me? Are you sure? <laughs> Is that what thus said the Lord? <laughs> um, but no, for real, another, another, um, aspect of imposter syndrome that I believe um, happens is that you can feel that your story isn't as bad enough. (laughs) And you're probably like, Hannah, what? No, seriously, like we compare traumas, right? And so I have uh, held myself back from sharing my story or from, you know, allowing myself to feel because I didn't feel that my story was bad enough. I didn't necessarily have a rough upbringing that some people may have had. Like, if anybody's familiar with South Florida, um, with the Fort Lauderdale area, you know that there's a deep side and then there's a shallow side. Shout out to my 954 peeps. But um, yes, I did grow up in deep side, but I wasn't there very long um, because my father was uh, fortunate enough to move us out into Davie, which is a whole nother area. But um, but I did grow up in deep side. But my experience in deep side probably wasn't as bad as some people like, yeah, did I hear gunshots? You know, as a kid, I did. But when I hear stories of other people who grow up in areas where like, you know, there's like a killing uh, around the corner every other day or that there's carjackings and stuff. You know, it makes me feel like, hey, me growing up in deep side wasn't too bad. You know what I'm saying? So you, I, I don't share about that. Or the fact that um, I didn't necessarily have any addictions. It, You know, it's just like, oh, my story is not that bad. But I did have childhood trauma. I did go through something. And um I've never really shared my story about what I've gone through as a child. I mean, as a child, I didn't realize that it was traumatizing moments (laughs) Um, because if you're not shown different, you don't know different. Right. So it's not until becoming an adult that I realized, wow, like, yeah, you you experience some things that you wouldn't necessarily want your children to experience. Right. And so um but for me, uh, for example, I've shared with you guys before about my health, um, my health journey and my health story, right, with erythemonodosum. And erythemonodosum, although there is no known cure for it, um, and it is painful when I have a flare up, it's not as bad as as what other people that have health um, challenges or issues go through. You know what I'm saying? Like I. I don't necessarily have to go to the doctor when I'm having a flare up unless it's just extremely bad. Like this last time, um, it was really bad. It actually, I was having a different experience than I've ever had before. So I was like, yo, let me go to the dermatologist. This is, you know, been going on for a minute, (laughs) you know, but I have a choice. I have a choice whether or not to take the medications that they tell me because I've learned how to manage living with EN 
um, you know, for years since the age of 14 by changing my diet and working out. It's not as simple as that for some people, you know what I'm saying? With people that deal with diabetes or deal with sickle cell or deal with, you know, cancer or, you know, deal with lupus and, you know, all these different health challenges that are out there. It's not as simple. And so when I hear these other stories of how some people have had to have hospital stays for weeks at a time or, you know, um, feel very weak or are bedridden and, you know, all these other stuff, I'm just like, you know, my story's not that bad. It's, I, I don't deserve to be in this room. And then the enemy will come in and will be like, you know, do you want people to, to pity you? Do you, you know, or do you want them to feel bad about what you're going, you don't want people to pity you. You don't want people to feel bad. You don't want to become a victim, do you? And so I don't say anything. I don't share. And so I feel like an imposter when I'm in this room with people talking about their different health challenges. And I'm just like, well, mine isn't as bad as yours. You know, I don't feel like I deserve to be here for that. Um, and for the longest time, I felt broken because of EN. Um, you know, after a flare up, it leaves these bruises on my leg as if, you know, somebody beat me or if I just was very accident prone. And throughout, I want to say college and in high school, I did not wear shorts uh, for the longest time. I always wore pants just to kind of cover it up until it was fully cleared. And even then, it still leaves a, a, a mark. Um, and even with this last time of having it, I had to get my fourth biopsy done on it. And it was done on my shin and as it was healing, I just, it was a trigger for me. It was a trigger for all the, the years that I was walking around in shame. And I'm like, I finally overcame this. I finally was like, I'm not going to let um, everything I'll do some, like dictate my life. I'm going to take my life back. I'm going to wear my shorts. I'm going to be confident. And then here it is. This happened. And I felt like all of that was stripped away from me again. And I didn't want to say anything about it because it's like, here it is. I've been this big advocate of how, you know, you can manage your health with healthy eating or changing your lifestyle. And here it is. Well, Hannah, you're not healed, right? Like, how can you say you're healed and you're having another flare up? And, you know, I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit because it helped me realize I may be broken, but I walk in healing. Because I, I have gotten better since changing my, my you know, diet and, and, and working out more. Like I am not having as many flare-ups. Yeah, this, this flare-up that I had um, at the beginning of this year, it was the worst since being vegan. And I've been vegan now for five years. You know, I would say that's pretty good when my rate of having a flare up was once a year from being diagnosed at the age of 14. So, yeah, I'm walking in healing. You know, there may not be a cure for it right now and um, it may come back from time to time. And yes, I may be in that 50 percent that it, there's the unknown cause, um, but I'm walking in healing and I'm going to share my story because sharing my story, bring God's glory. And I, that's what the whole message behind broken, but purpose 
was about. It was about the fact that even though you may feel broken, even though you may have had a a, a hard past, um, even though you may have done things that, you know, you feel unqualified you or that you just feel is so unforgivable, I'm here to say that you still have purpose. The mere fact that you are still alive and breathing means that you still have purpose, means that God still has a plan for you. See, the, the thing is the, the enemy will try to come in into our thoughts and make us feel like we are so broken that we are beyond repair, that we're so broken or that we're so messed up that, you know, it there's something that we could do that could literally separate us from God. But the Bible specifically says that there is nothing that can separate us us from his love neither death nor life nor angel nor demon like nothing if even if we're in the pits of hell his love is still there for us like there is absolutely nothing that can separate us from his love and there's absolutely nothing that we can do that can change his plans for our lives and that was one of the things that I was trying to you know show in the story of Leah and Rachel right so with Leah and Rachel, one of the things, if you ever read the story and it's, you know, uh, chapter 29, Genesis chapter 29, starting around um, verse 31, I think, no, 30 uh, to the end going into chapter 30 is when it talks about, you know, Leah having all of these children. Right. And each one of the the names of her children had a significance because Every time she named them, it was something that she was yearning from from Jacob. And so Leah was like, you know, I want to be seen. Uh, one of the children's name uh, meant to be seen. Another was she wanted to be heard. Uh, another was she wanted to feel connected or have affection for to feel love and so all this time until she had her I think it was the fourth son which was Judah um, when she finally gave God praise and so all this time she's like crying out that she wants to be seen she wants to be heard she wants to be loved but she was calling out for those things from Jacob from a, a man who could not handle her broken pieces. He, in matter of fact, Jacob was messed up himself. And that's the, that's the thing <laughs> with us. We look to each other for completion. We look to each other to fix one another, right? And it's like, a broken person can't fix another broken person. Just like how the blind can't lead the blind. You know what I'm saying? Like, you... Jacob was messed up himself. Jacob tricked his father into giving him the blessing, which is one of the reasons why he was living with Laban in the first place, because he had to run away from home because his brother Esau was ready to kill him because he took his birthright. Jacob was a trickster. That's actually what his name means before his name got changed to Israel. So he was jacked up and a jacked up person doesn't know how to fix another jacked up person. A, a, a person who's already broken, they don't even know how to fix their own broken pieces. If I don't know how to fix me, how am I going to know how to fix you? And that was the problem. Leah was going to another broken person. And one of the things that I want to share, because I did point out, I think it is Philippians uh, ooh, 4 and 11 through verse 14, right? And we all are mostly familiar with uh, Philippians 4, 4, 14, which talks about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. But verses verse verse 11 for me changes 
that whole like verse 12, 13 and 14, because verse 11 is when Paul was saying how um, I've never wanted, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to live with a full and an empty stomach. And the whole part of not that I was ever in need really hit me because it's like he learned to be content. He learned to be content whether he had a lot or whether he had a little. And because he learned to be content, that's what God helps us with towards the end in verse 14, that I can do all things through Christ because it is through Christ that you can do all things, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, whether you're healed or whether you're, you're broken, whether you're, you know, you're in need or you're not, because at the same time, his word says that he will supply all of our needs. So we're never in want. Why? Because there's always someone in the earth that he's going to use to be a blessing to you. Right. Because there's always two people being blessed. There's the blessor and the blessee. Right. The blessee looks like they're in need, like they're in lack, like they're in want. But they're really not because God is like, I already have a plan. Hello, the blesser. I already have somebody over here who I've been pouring into and they're a funnel. So it's not like the blessings get held up with them. But because I can funnel it through them, their cup runneth over and they're able to splash that onto you. So I've already put it in this person's mind to come over here and to be a blessing to you that's why you don't ever have to worry the bible tells us that if he takes care of the sparrows the, the birds don't want for nothing so and if he loves us more than the birds then we don't need to want for anything and so even though we may feel broken god is like i still have use for you because he continues to do a perfect work in us until the return of christ Christ hasn't come back yet, which means God is still working on us. There is no perfect person that's walking this earth right now. And so that's what I was talking about, about how we're all broken people. You know what I'm saying? And me and my brokenness can't fix your broken pieces. So you can't look to me for, for your, your healing or to fix you, just like Leah couldn't look to Jacob. But here's the cool thing about Leah and Rachel, right? So even though Leah felt broken because she felt unwanted by her husband, God was like, I still got a plan for you. Because when you continue to read the story, Leah ended up having six of the, of the, of the 12 tribes of Israel. They came through her womb, one being Judah. And Judah is the lineage that leads down to the divinic line in which Jesus was born into. So Leah ends up ends up being an ancestress to Jesus. Hello, God was like, Leah, you didn't have to worry about anything about Jacob because first of all, you always had my love. You may not have had his, but you didn't need to look to him for love because I already had you. I already had you taken care of. I was already supplying that need and I knew exactly what I purposed you for. So even though you were over here allowing your life that sparkle to dim I still have purpose for you even though you felt broken I knew exactly what to do with those broken pieces and turn it into this masterpiece because all along I knew that through you I was going to birth my son and then the same thing with Rachel a lot of times you know it's like 
people are like, well, what's wrong with Rachel? Rachel had Jacob's love. He worked for her for 14 years, right? Yeah, he worked for her for 14 years. And yes, Rachel was had, probably had many uh, of admirers. But what happened with Rachel, which happens with a lot of us, is, is that even though we may appear to have it all, there's still something broken inside of us. There's still something that's that just doesn't feel right, that there's this void. And for Rachel, the void was her barrenness. And she was like, my sister's over here having all these children and I'm not. And so because she wasn't having a child and she knew that in that time, you know, not to have a child, it wasn't a, a good thing. She took on a label, which a lot of us do. We take on and slap these labels on ourselves. And it's just like, tear that label off. Nobody said that about you. And even if they did say that about you, who are they? Let's stop taking on the unsolicited opinions of others and putting it on ourselves or trying to live up to these standards that other people want us to live up to. Because they're not the ones who can fix our broken pieces. They don't know what to do with our pieces. They don't know how to take them and turn them into a masterpiece. They're not our creator. They don't know what we were purposed for they don't know what our assignment is in life so why do we give so much weight to other people and in their thoughts about us but that's what Rachel did she was so focused on what she thought other people thought of her that she took on this label that didn't belong to her and so here it is she repeated history because if you think back to you know Abraham and Sarah Sarah was like oh God hasn't allowed me to become pregnant yet I'm still barren so here Abraham take Hagar let my let you know her represent me and to birth this child and so Rachel did the same thing Rachel was like Jacob take my my hand servant Bilhah and she will give birth for me and you know a lot of us can relate to Rachel and what she did because we try to make things happen. When we don't see it happening quick enough, we're like, God, they say you an on-time God, but uh, <laughs> you seem to be running a little late right now. So we try to make things happen for ourselves. And then when it blows up in our face and doesn't work out, we're just like, we feel unqualified. We feel like, dang, I messed up. I really disappointed God. He can't use me now. I missed his calling. I missed the purpose. I missed whatever he said. And God is like, you ain't miss anything. Like, first of all, there's nothing that you could do that came to me as a surprise. He already knew that Rachel was going to do that, but he was like, I've already built every detour, every addendum, every alteration has been woven into my master plan so there's nothing that you can do that will surprise me that I haven't already built into the plan to still get you to the destination or still get you to the purpose that I've sent you to the earth to fulfill and that's exactly what happened with Rachel why because Rachel did eventually have children God was like I was gonna open your wound but I was tending to Leah first and that's our problem sometimes we don't know how to wait on the Lord. We don't know how to allow him to work his master plan and allow him to do things in other people's lives. But hello, like God is no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll do for the other. So in this moment in time, he was working on Leah because Leah had a need. Rachel, you were good. You were receiving the love of your husband. Leah wasn't. So let me tend to her first. Let me look after her and take care of her. And then I'm going to open your womb. But she didn't want to wait. She tried to fix it herself. And so she did what she did. But then God was like, I already knew you were going to do that. I already knew you were going to be impatient. So I have already built that into my master plan. But 
He allowed, he opened her womb, allowed her to have Joseph. And Joseph was the one who was able to end up in Pharaoh's house, right? Because his brothers sold him into slavery. So he went from the pit to the, the palace, to the prison. And then he ended up in Pharaoh's house. And what was he able to do? He was able to save Israel from famine. And where did Israel end up having? He was used to save the divinic line because Judah was a part of Israel. And Judah is the line that Jesus came into. So it all worked together. Even though they were both broken, they were both still purpose. Rachel was purposed to give birth to Joseph for Joseph to save Israel so that the divinic line could last and Jesus could be born. Leah was purposed to give birth to Judah, who is the head of the divinic line, and Jesus was able to be born. Hello. You know what I'm saying? So just because you're broken doesn't mean that your purpose is no longer non it's like it's non-existent. You know what I'm saying? It still matters. It's still there. There's nothing that you can do that can stop your purpose. The only thing that you can do is stop being, right? Because all of our stories, all of our mess are messages. All of the tests and trials that we go through turn into testimonies. And see, the problem is, is a lot of the time we don't want to be a testimony for somebody else's victory. We want the victory ourselves. We're just like, God, I'm tired of being a testimony. But God is like, but I'm not tired of using you. And the fact that he's not tired of using you alone should tell you like, oh, my gosh, that is enough to give praise for. Because that means that you still find use for me. You still find purpose for me. And this is something that I've had to realize for myself, because a lot of times I, I will find myself in a situation and I'm just like, God. I'm stubborn. I've been very stubborn with doing what you've called me to do. I've been very stubborn with being obedience, right? Because partial obedience is still disobedience. And there's a lot of things that God has told me, Hannah, you need to do that. I was just like, but I don't feel qualified. Hello, Moses. Just like how Moses told God, well, I have a speech impediment, God. And God is like, who created your mouth? Or Gideon, when he was just like, me? You want you calling me a mighty man of valor? You telling me that I'm, I'm going to say... I'm the least of my tribe and my tribe is the smallest of all of like me. And God told him, go in the strength that I given you. A lot of us just need to go in the strength that we already have. God has already equipped us with everything that we need in order to fulfill our assignment on the earth. He's even sent people to help us with these assignments. But because some of us, hello, Hannah, are so introverted and so afraid to talk to people and to ask for help because we're so self-sufficient. That's not what God told us to be. But because we're so self-sufficient and have this false sense of humility, Hannah, <laughs> that we don't walk in the confidence of God and we don't walk in the purpose of God because we're not just being with him. We feel like we need to do something to earn it. You don't earn grace. It's just given. And so, yeah, we are broken people, but broken people, we're still making the body of Christ and we're made complete in him. And that's all we need is him to be complete. So I hope you guys, you know, are really receiving and hearing what I'm saying, because it's OK if you're broken. As long as you know you're still purposed. 
And it's okay if you're broken as long as you give your broken pieces to God because he knows how to turn your broken pieces into masterpieces because he is the master creator. He's the creator of all things and he knows exactly what he designed you to do. He knew you before you were even in your mother's womb and there's nothing that you can do that will separate you from his love and there's nothing that you can do that can stop his will. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the will of the Lord that will prevail. No matter what you do, God already knew you were going to do it. It comes at no surprise to him. And he knows he already has it woven into his master plan that you're eventually going to get to where you need to be. That's why the promise does not tarry and it's not delayed. It's going to come at its appointed time. But God built in all of the mishaps you were going to have and all of the wrong turns that you were going to take. He already built it in. And he was like, well, once all of that gets done, then he or she is going to step into their appointed time. So I hope you guys got something out of today's podcast. Um, It is always my prayer that you do. So to all of my listeners on the podcast, you guys can go ahead and send in your listener letters to hannahsworld00 at gmail.com. Let me know how you're feeling. Um, if you are watching via YouTube, go ahead, press that like button, share with a friend, and go ahead and click notifications if you want to know the next time that a, podca- a podcast <laughs> uploads. Um, but until next time, you guys, I uh, love to continue to connect with you. You can always connect with me on Facebook at Hannah's World or on Instagram at Hannah's World 00. So again, I've said until next time, like what, three times now? <laughs> Peace out, world. Peace out, world.